Welcome to Conversations for Life, a marriage and family podcast from Cross Life with hosts Jonathan and Kathleen. Each episode, we sit down and talk about things that matter most to those that matter most to you. We're so glad you're with us today. Please pull up a chair and join us in the conversation. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us again here at Conversations for Life. We are so blessed to have with us a, a privileged and honored guest. Dr. Ginny Brown is an expert in family systems theory. She works in Sydney, Australia, and she's also published um, at least one book that we've gotten to read called Growing Yourself Up. And she has another one coming out as well that we're excited to read. And we're so excited to sit down with her today and talk about how family systems theory helps us as believers um, be better parents and how it helps us understand the dynamics within our family. So Dr. Brown, thank you so much for being with us. A pleasure to be with you today. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about your story, you know, your, your faith background, as well as your, your training with family systems theory. Sure. Well, I have been um, a Christian, walking the Christian road since my adolescent years, raised in a family that went to church, kind of nominally Christian, but really... Um, experiencing a deep sense of a personal relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior from my teenage days, as many of us have experienced as an adult, a period of wandering and vulnerability in my faith, and then just seeing how the Holy Spirit has brought me back into a clear, confident faith in the sovereignty of God and the grace of of God in my life. So it's a very important part of my story. I um, have been married to my husband, David, for 39 years this year and value the, the joys of being in a Christian marriage. And I have two adult daughters who, thank the Lord, are believers. And that's a real joy that I don't take for granted at all. And in terms of my professional journey, I have been very interested in the family therapy field since the 1980s and have done postgrad training in that field over many years. I had the really blessed opportunity to come across Bowen's family systems theory when I lived with my family in um, the state of New York in the early 1990s and I did a training program at the Family Institute of Westchester in Westchester County, New York and that was my first introduction to Murray Bowen's theory and it really spoke to an understanding of myself and the family that I grew up in in, in a way that no other theory that I'd studied had done. So. It got under my skin way back then, and I've been studying it, receiving coaching in this way of thinking, uh, uh, running a clinical practice and a training practice since the early 2000s, setting up an institute here in Sydney to train people in Bowen's family systems theory, and um, have just continued to expand my learning applied to my work and applied to my life and indeed applied to how I think about myself in the family of God, in my church. 
So there it is in a nutshell. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good nutshell. Thank you. So could you just tell us basically what, what, what are the main ideas of family systems theory and how does this help someone understand themselves as an individual as well as someone that is in the context of a family? Yeah, sure. Well, it really is a different way of thinking. The predominant way of thinking about relationships is from an individual perspective. We think about how our relationships have shaped us and affected us, which is a kind of a linear cause and effect way of thinking about relationships. But what Bowen Family Systems has done has shown how it's not cause and effect. We're always affecting each other. It's going round in circles. It's dynamic. So that rather than just me thinking about how did the way my mother related to me shape me, I think about what was going on in the whole family that influenced the way my mother parented each of her five children, how was the marriage a part of that, what they were working on together affected their parenting, and how I responded to my parents' relationship as a child is all part of the picture. So this is a different way of thinking where it's never about just the individual. It's about how we're all affecting each other in the family we grew up in and in our current family life. So that's what I would start with as a distinctive of family systems theory. Which is, you know, I think when I first heard of family systems, you know, I think because you've been doing it so long, you probably you yourself can remember too that that was a big mental shift for me from approaching you know, viewing myself and my, my internal psychological state and who I was as an individual, seeing that fr from a, from a Simpsons point of view, it, it really, I think, radically changes the way you see yourself and it, it helps you make much, much more sense out of who you are as an individual because you realize, okay, I'm not just, as you said, the cause and effect, you know, um, byproduct of, of this one linear dynamic there's a whole system going on and we're all interacting together and that's and we're shaping each other as we're being shaped indeed yes and that can be hard to get one's head around but there are some wonderful patterns that the theory helps us identify that i think we can all see and we'll probably talk about some of those patterns but that makes this big idea so that in my marriage, I ask, what is my husband up against being married to me? That's a good family systems question. And the typical conventional idea that people bring to their counseling sessions is, I want to tell you what I'm up against being married to him or her. And I want your help to convince them how they should change. But a family systems approach is well beyond a blame and change agenda. It's about how can I manage myself more thoughtfully in order to be a resource and to create the space for my spouse and my children to do better themselves. It's giving them 
the breathing space to be more thoughtful and responsible as opposed to making a project out of changing them. Mm. Mm. And in a lot of ways, that's, that's much more Christian, I would say, <laughs> in the sense of we're not saying, um, you all need to change for me. I'm, I'm fine. You know, you're the problem. But instead, it's the self-giving uh, and, and hopefully would be a multi-person self-giving reciprocal thing. Um, to make it a little more practical, do you, could you give an example of maybe a typical or common family situation um, and how you would look at that from a family systems perspective rather than kind of a just individualistic perspective? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I mean, there are so many cases I could draw from, so many from my own family life. So I think I'll choose something from my own family life that um, was one of the early aha moments for me in studying family systems theory. And it was around my marriage and my parenting. I had young ch children at the time, um, around age four and six. And as I started to see the patterns described in family systems theory, I could see that I was getting in the way of my husband developing his own relationship with each of our daughters. I could see that I would take on most of that myself and kind of um, correct him without even being aware I was doing it. I would jump in and intervene if I thought that he was struggling to manage one of the girls or to set some clear limits with them. I didn't realize that I was undermining him. I was very sensitive to my daughters, which in family systems theory is an anxious child focus. And hence, I was oversensitive to his way of parenting if it was different to mine. So what I learned with family systems theory is that is a classic triangle in a family where I have a protective alliance with a daughter putting my husband on the outside of that triangle. And in many ways, he was a willing outsider because he was perhaps insecure as a relatively new parent, as we were at the time, and was happy to see my confidence and let that um, kind of carry the way forward for both of us. So we were contributing equally to this triangle. And when I could see the triangle, I thought, gosh, I am getting in the way of my daughters experiencing a separate relationship with their dad. And I'm getting in the way of my husband finding his feet as a parent, letting him make mistakes, which we do all the time in parenting, letting him get the direct feedback from his daughters so that he could experience himself in that relationship without me interfering. So that's one key example of a really important shift that family systems theory helped me make many years ago, over well over 25 years ago now. Mm. That's a great illustration. And you brought up triangles, which is exactly what I was going to ask you about next, because I think that's one of the most helpful, practical 
um, aspects to Bowen theory that a lot of folks, uh, when they when they get exposed to the theory, I think they can they can think about their own lives and begin to see, oh yeah, I see that everywhere in my life, you know, uh, parents, children, and even coworkers, and, and and so can you briefly explain what what are triangles and kind of how they function within Bowen's family system? Well. Triangles are everywhere. Um, Dr. Bowen noticed, he even called them kind of the molecule of human relationships that relating, keeping issues between two people always triggers some insecurity and anxiety. You have to deal with differences. You have to hear feedback that generates discomfort. You have to be exposed and and make yourself known and get to know an, another in a two-person relationship. And Bowen noted that that is anxiety producing and therefore it's inherently unstable and that us humans, in order to reduce that discomfort, we automatically detour our focus to a third party, another person. And we, in doing that, in focusing in the marriage more on our children than on developing our knowledge of each other in our marriage over time, the focus on the third party, such as a child, but it can be any other person, it works by reducing the sensitivities between the two people and it makes the two person relationship more comfortable without those two people actually sticking with the discomfort, growing themselves up and learning how to be in a two-person relationship without the detour. So triangles are everywhere. They're not always problematic. They become problematic when they become a repeated pattern in any family or group, which means that problems don't get resolved between two people and a third person becomes a project for others and that's a problem for that third person when we when you have other people over worrying about you and making a project out of you and you feel the sensitivity of being in that over focused on position in a relationship it doesn't help a person develop to be all that God has created them to be. So I hope that gets across some of the you know, the idea of a relationship triangle. It's either side-taking, two against a third party, or detouring where two people reduce their discomfort by putting all their focus on a third person, either criticizing the third party or trying to change the third party. I hope that makes sense, Jonathan and Kathleen. How does that sound to you? Yeah, that's very helpful. You know, it's like kind of to sum up, sounds like you have two people and there's some kind of tension or difficulty in that relationship. You pull in someone else and that helps ease the tension, whether you're, like you said, kind of making them a project or um, kind of ganging up on them. And, you know, I've seen some of the things that you've uh, written and said, especially when a child is that third person that's kind of the project, it's um, that may seem 
it could potentially seem good from the outside. You're putting so much attention and focus on this child, um, giving them all of your, your resources and your attention, but that can actually be damaging and not helpful to them. Yes. Uh, a little tip that um, I have found useful to share with parents to see the degree that they're triangling around their children. And I apply this in my own life, even with adult children and now grandchildren. When I'm talking with my husband, and so a, a suggestion for all of the listeners who are in a marriage and have children, just have a look at when you talk together with your husband or wife, how much of the time do you talk about your children and what's happening in their life? And that's a clue that the triangling is happening, that you're developing a connection through talking about the third party. So how does one shift that to still being deeply interested and, and invested in the development of our children and the calling of parents without triangling? And here's what I think changes that over focusing on talking about our kids it's to talk more about how we're experiencing being a parent to that child right now can you hear the difference yeah, yeah. so rather than saying look at what our child's doing at school they're doing so well or they they seem to be struggling to rather than talk about the child to say Here's what's happening for me watching my child do well in that area. Here's what I notice about myself. Here, here's what I delight in. Here's where I can see I get triggered to be over-invested in their success. Here's what I see I need to repent of. I'm making my child's success a bit of an idol. And we start to share our journey as parents rather than detour to just talking about the events of our children's lives. And hence, we build intimacy in our marriage because we're sharing more about our own vulnerabilities, our joys, our fears, rather than just generating anxiety about our children. That's really the, the subtle shift in the question makes all the difference in terms of where you go in the conversation, which is it's why that's so brilliant. Because I know as parents, you know, we, we naturally talk about our kids a lot because they're they occupy a lot of our time and a lot of our hearts. But but it, it, as you point out, that easily turns into we don't really relate to each other. We relate to each other through a third party, but then we're not really directly sharing our own hearts and our own experiences, and we're not really connecting together. Um, as as a married couple, and I, you know, I see triangles coming up, at least for me, a lot of times in, in discipline issues where I find I find at least my kids, anyways, uh, triangles are happening all the time. Where <laughs> if if the, if they don't, if mom is doing something that they like, they'll come to me and try to get me on their side, or vice versa. And I, what I find to be very helpful is, for, is to always remember, no matter. I mean, I don't, I'm not perfect. No, no, no parent, we always make mistakes, but I try. To always stay, you know, stay um, with my wife, you know, because I don't want them to sort of try to make it. Okay, now it's me and them, and then mom's on the outside, or vice versa. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad, thing, but 
from your perspective. I find that to be a common thing with children is the triangulating that they try to do between the parents and sort of the alliances. They're little experts at it. Yeah. It's kind of inborn. Aren't they? <laughs> they sure are. From such a young age, which, which tells you that it reflects something much deeper than the intellect. And I think that's another useful aspect of family systems theory. This is not a cognitive theory about the way we think. It's about the way we un unknowingly react out of our sensitivities to each other. And that's embedded in even very young children. And Jonathan, one thing I'd add to, I agree that common triangle that every parent knows of a child goes to one parent, doesn't get the answer they want, and then they go and seek out the other to try and get um, the other to take their side, which then undermines the other parent. There's something very useful to add to that type of triangle is how do you get your child back dealing with the parent that they first went to? So rather than just say whatever your mom says I agree with, it, to truly detriangle, you say, you know, you've started this with, with your mom and I'm not going to get in the way of that. That's something you need to continue on in working through with your mom. That's a very important process. And it's I'm not willing to get involved with this when you haven't worked it through with your mom. And that's who you started it with. Obviously, with a younger child, you have to be really straightforward and simple. Just say, you started this with mom. You go back to her. And what she says goes. And that's a fabulous way of detriangling, putting it back into the relationship it belongs in. That's the key to detriangling, keeping the issues in the relationship that they originate from. Because the triangle is this attempt to uh, avoid that tension, basically. And so you may go back to that relationship back to that tension or conflict or whatever they want to avoid and they have to work through it. And that's, that's for our children's great good as far as their maturation. And again, in one of the adults as well, um, you know, in your marriage, if you're trying to pull in a third party because there's tension in your marriage or just because it's very difficult to uh, be close and intimate and that's scary and vulnerable, but to have to go back into that and to face that and to work through that, that is maturing you and it is, it is growing you in closeness and, and uh, it's, it's good. Yeah. So I love that thought. Bring it back to the original, the original relationship. Uh-huh. It's not easy to do, but um, it's worth observing the patterns well because these are the patterns that just happen outside of our awareness and what family systems theory does, it provides a bit of a map for being able to recognize these patterns and be thoughtful about what's my part in the pattern and how can I change my part. And, and that's what I've really valued about this approach because we can always change our part. We can't get other people to change. But when we can see the part we're playing, 
how we're managing ourselves in the relationship and identify, oh gosh, I am um, excluding my husband from this or I am getting in the way of my child working on this problem for themselves. Being able to identify the pattern gives a, a really clear way forward to adjusting ourselves in order to benefit the whole family. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that, you know, people as you're listening to this can can think of some triangles that you've been a part of or or seen. Um, well, and an, another big point in family systems is something called differentiation. And that's something that we have had a uh, a podcast episode about and um this is a, this is a big topic because in, in a lot of ways this is also a, a way forward and so i would love to hear you define differentiation give some examples of that and and how does this uh function within family systems theory hmm. it is a big topic differentiation in my field of um family and child mental health is often misunderstood as being individuation, which is all about separateness and independence. And that's a complete misunderstanding of the family systems idea of working to be a more differentiated self. And the important thing in the concept of differentiation is it is providing an equal focus on being meaningfully connected to others at the same time as being aware of our autonomous responsibility. So being a distinctive individual while being openly and meaningfully connected and that the two need to be worked on together in order to grow maturity. So differentiation requires two counterbalancing areas. One is, as I've just described, being a self and equally being connected and attached. And number two, it requires having a, a, a focus on our thinking and our feelings being in partnership, not one dominating the other so that our feelings don't run the show, but our thinking doesn't shut off our God-given feelings. So there's those two aspects of working on differentiation, which when I put this into my book, I equated differentiation to relationship maturity, being a self in relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and that is a very that is a good term because differentiation is this technical term, and it's it's you know what does this even mean? It's it's hard for people to connect with that. But thinking about relationship maturity and thinking about being an individual who has meaningful connections with people, that's good. And as you said, this is not about being different um, or being separate or anything like that. It's and it's not really about a spectrum and finding some sort of middle ground. It's really about a marriage of these things. So. At the same time that you're working on your, your uh, being di a distinct individual, you're also working on having um, meaningful and close connections with the people that matter to you. Yeah, I really like the way you put that, 
Kathleen, as a marriage of the two, not working on them separately. They are always at work together. And what's really useful in family systems theory is appreciating that the, a lot of the problems in our relationship are when the marriage of those two, connection and separateness, gets disjointed, gets separated. So, for example, if we put all of our relationship eggs in the basket of connection and just work on being attached to others, it moves into letting harmony rule the show. There's no room for people to share their differences. And that creates a kind of fusion, as theory calls it, a kind of over-involvement where the unique distinctiveness of each member of the system gets covered over in the kind of mush of trying to create harmony all the time. So on one hand, you get the problem of fusion. If connection is invested in without the marriage, as you put it, with autonomy and separateness, and here's what I think, what do you think? that bringing together of distinctiveness in deep connection. And of course, the flip side is that if people work on individuality at the expense of connection, then there's cutoff and distance. And we use distance to manage tension in relationships. That's another aspect of family theory. It does reduce tension, but it also takes people into very pseudo connections in their families where nobody really shares what's happening for them, what they're thinking about, what they're struggling with. No one really listens to the distinctiveness anymore. And a lot of us do those kind of relationships back to our parents when we're adults, the kind of duty relationships rather than really practicing, working on being a self in connection with our parents back to our family of origin. So differentiation is a cornerstone concept of family systems theory. It is what the theory says is uh, something to keep working on and being mindful of. No one ever gets to be fully differentiated. We've all got many maturity gaps, but it's very useful to see that if we're over-investing in the attachment at the expense of people being able to be distinctive individuals, we get problems. And equally, if we're over-focusing on trying to be separate and autonomous and distinct, then there's just too much distance for relationships to flourish. I think as human beings, we are inherently bifurcating individuals, meaning for some reason as human beings, we always want to split things into either or. And it's just, I think, our way of doing things. And one of the ways that I think that comes out is people tend to think, okay, either being a healthy person means I am my own person and I'm just going to develop me and focus on me. And how I relate to other people isn't, it's inconsequential. I need to be nice, I need to be friendly, but we don't see that as a core aspect of our maturity and on the other hand is i think we tend to think oh well 
you know, maturity is all about how, how are you with other people and relational, um, you know, the way you treat other people, which think at least can lead to me, for example, I'm a people pleaser. And so it's very easy for me to, to just focus solely on just making other people happy and thinking, okay, now I'm, now I've got it. You know, I, I'm, I'm a successful person. I think what, what, cha- what, what challenges me and what I, what I appreciate so much about differentiation with Bowen is, is it helps us see through the false superficiality of what we might call maturity. And for me, anyways, it decodes a lot of the reasons why, as adults, we can be so darn immature. Yeah, it's a very humbling theory, family systems theory. It it's, reveals the, the ways we're not as mature as we thought we were at least that's been my experience <laughs> and it's a little bit like the christian life you know the longer you walk the christian life the more you see the selfish bent within you the more aware you become of it and with family systems theory the more that i learn uh, learn about the theory applied to my, my own life the more i see how deeply entrenched my sensitivities are that have me move into avoiding conflict or triangling or over-functioning and over-helping others at the expense of them finding their own way. It's very humbling, isn't it? As well as encouraging. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I really appreciated about your book, which is called Growing Yourself Up, and we will put this um, on our website, information about this book and other links. And so you guys can check that out um, on our podcast webpage. But, uh, you know, a good section of your book actually talks about, I would say, basically how differentiation plays out in different stages of life. So um, as a young single adult moving into, or, you know, moving away from parents, moving into marriage, children, um, and then in, in the other stages of aging. And so could you give a few thoughts about how how this does play out in different stages of life, how the challenges of differentiation are different in different stages and what sort of uh, fruit can come from that? Mm. Yes, it was really interesting putting family systems theory into describing the stages of the adult family life cycle. And I think a couple of thoughts that I have from your good question, Kathleen. One is that every change in a life stage, which tends to go along with a new member of the family coming or a member of the family leaving, entrances and exits are part of our our life and they provide challenges for a family to have to adapt to a different kind of balance in the relationships it's a disruption anxiety goes with that and with every disruption and change it's a wonderful opportunity to learn about ourselves how do we respond to change how do the family members around us respond and adjust to this change and it's a really good way of learning about our gaps in maturity and differentiation and the way forward to keep working on dealing with change in relationships by staying connected, observing self, 
focusing on how I can manage myself in this stage of life rather than turning into worrying too much about others and focusing on the change and blame game. So family life stages are great opportunities to reflect on how individuals and family members adjust to change, which is part of life. And the other thing that is useful about seeing the different stages of the adult life cycle is that all of those stages are relevant right now. Whatever life stage each listener is in and you and I are in, there are important members of our system going through one of those other life cycle stages right now. So an individual approach would be a stage theory where the individual looks at, am I appropriately developing as a single young adult moving into marriage, into parenting, into midlife, into empty nest and grandparenting, into old age. But a family systems approach is always looking at understanding what every member of our system is going through in terms of changes right now and being really interested to understand those changes. It also opens up very relevant questions to ask of how our parents managed the stages of the life cycle. How did they negotiate their leaving home? How did the way they left home and left their own parents impact their marriage and early family life? And how does that shed light on the way they related to each of their children? So there's so much rich richness in thinking about the the broad extended family as a system where all of the life cycle stages are relevant at any one time. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, well, it's, of course it is. It, and I, I, I will encourage everyone too to be able to pick up your book and read it where you get to talk more extensively about the different stages of life and differentiation. And I, I, I'm curious though, as, as we're getting uh, close to the end of our time, I'd love to hear you speak just a little bit to how you're, as you've grown in your own uh, understanding of family systems and practice that you're very experienced and um, how has that affected your faith and, and how even how you, you know, see when you read your Bible, I'm curious, you see where, where do the family systems pop out at you and, and maybe, you know, as you're reading, say, I was just thinking about you know, the Old Testament with Jacob and his wives, you know, or, or in other sections. And how has it, it just influenced the way you approach um, God and your faith? Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, there are so many narratives of family anxiety and relationship challenges all the way through the Old Testament. And um, thankfully, there's a much bigger story than those messy narratives of family life, which is the story of God building his kingdom and calling us insecure and selfish people to himself in Christ. So I value there's a much bigger story that we're we're called to be part of that is a much higher calling than what we're called to in our families as um, spouses and as parents, as important as those callings are. 
So I put family systems theory, I, I endeavor to put it in its right place, not as my number one guide for understanding life or giving me meaning. Instead, it's a helpful complement to wanting to love and serve others well. It's a helpful way of, I think, complementing the notion that the church is a body of separate important parts working together. So it's connection and separateness at the same time. I think that's very consistent with family systems theory. Learning how to speak the truth in love, that tension of not wanting harmony to override truthfulness. There's so many compatibilities, which is why I've, I think I've been quite comfortable with this theory over the long haul of my Christian walk. Um, but indeed, it's, it doesn't give the whole picture. It, it's missing some very important pieces. While it helps me identify the anxious patterns that we all get caught in and how I can rectify my part in those patterns. It really helps me with that in a way that I can't find those, that kind of detail in the scriptures. But what I understand from my sense of the God's word as the authority in life is that there's a bigger picture of sinful, fallen, selfish human beings who have a natural bent to rebel against deferring to our creator God and how God in grace and mercy has um, provided a rescue plan for us selfish people. And we live in all the fallout, don't we, of, of generations of, of the impact of, of that brokenness which, of course, it makes sense of the messiness of our family. So I, I hope that gives a bit of a sense, Jonathan and Kathleen, of, of how I look at the bigger picture of God's story of redemption throughout history and in my life personally. Um, and family systems theory has really helped me make sense of the relationship tensions that are part of the anxious world, broken world that we live in. Well, and if I can encourage, uh, you know, I'd love to hear you speak to our listeners who many of them are married, of course, and um, they probably have never heard of family systems in, in, uh, until they listen to our podcast. And certainly with you on today has been a great blessing. How would you encourage folks who um, maybe they're struggling in their marriage or maybe they're struggling with a child? Uh, what resources, if any, can you recommend? I know, you know, aside from your work, but um and yeah i just to speak to that a little bit maybe mm. well i think i'd like to um promote a, a fabulous youtube tv series called family matters it's a wonderful resource that covers so many topics of family life with people who are steeped in learning in family systems theory who talk about the theory applied to marriage and children and society and all and family of origin. So it's a great resource and it's accessible. It's not geared to talking to 
professionals and academics. So that's really useful. There's, I do commend looking at the Bowen Center website, there's a wonderful little booklet produced by Dr. Michael Kerr called One Family Story. And that can be purchased from the Bowen Center, but it's also available to read if you click on the theory link of the Bowen Center site. And it is very easy to follow. It shows the lifespan of a hypothetical family and applies all of the concepts of triangles and emotional cutoff and differentiation and over-functioning, under-functioning. It applies all of those principles to a family going through life together from marriage to having children. So there's a couple of great resources. Um, and in this wonderful age of internet technology, there are some good blogs to read. Um, and your resources are a wonderful um, resource that people can access from all across the world. And I, I've tried to, my best to contribute to that with my own blogs and podcast. So there are a few ideas, Jonathan. Thank you. That's, I know people would like to know from you like where, where to go from here. Yeah, that's very helpful. I'm excited about the, the videos too, because that's something that people feel very connected with. And we'll put all that on our website. Uh, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm envious of you. I'm imagining Sydney, Australia right now, and I've never been. It sounds like a lovely place. So you give me all the more reason to want to come and visit. And uh, so thank you so much for coming on. And I, I really uh, am excited to get your, your next book that you're going to be releasing for myself to read. But as I said, we'll be encouraging folks to, to read Growing Yourself Up and, uh, and getting that resource out there. And um, again, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for being on. Well, Jonathan and Kathleen, it's been my absolute pleasure. It's been good, good fun and also very meaningful to have this conversation today. So thank you. And um, yeah, my, my warm regards to all of your listeners. Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel using your preferred podcast app and to join us again next week. Conversations for Life is a listener-supported ministry of Cross Life. Cross Life exists to equip and empower married couples and parents to cultivate life in love. For more information and additional resources mentioned in today's episode, please visit our website, crosslifetoday.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Cross Life Resources, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, take care and God bless.